Hi, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with the Queen. I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. And we're back for week three of this disturbing Coffee with the Queen series. Today, in preparation for Halloween, Cindy and I are going to share some of modern history's most famous coffee murders. As a reminder, most of what's covered in today's podcast is available as an entry on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and accessible via links on our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. Cool. I'm excited, Nicole. Yeah, it's going to take some pretty odd turns as we go through the next 20 minutes or so. Before we begin, as usual, I feel the need to state the obvious. I know most of you listening right now are coffee drinkers. If anyone listening happens not to be a coffee drinker, I'm just going to cover this really briefly. So coffee, as all devoted drinkers know, has a very distinct taste that can be made sweet, sour, bitter, or even milky by adding cream, sugars, or other substances to the cup. So while this can be great for those of you who enjoy playing with flavors, can also be great for people who like to play with poison, as it's coffee's chameleon-like character that is precisely what makes it a great murder weapon. Okay, let's get started. Let's go. The most well-known coffee murder occurred in 2016 by a very jealous Indonesian-Australian pseudo-socialite named Jessica Kamala Wongsu, who killed former classmate, 27-year-old YN Myrna Salahan, by lacing her iced coffee with cyanide. Dun-dun-dun! So according to Wikipedia, Jessica felt insulted by YN after YN suggested Jessica drop her quote-unquote troublesome, by this point former Australian boyfriend, we're holding a grudge here because now this is many years after college, and adding to the relationship drama, Jessica is also jealous of YN, who, as we just said, suggested Jessica dump her boyfriend because YN had recently gotten married. So just two weeks prior to this poisoning, YN had tied the knot. Yeah, this is some serious mean girl stuff. Yeah, it's that late 20s partner panic craziness that I think some girls go through. Oh, yeah. And it's just like that anger and desperation. And it played out really badly here. So feigning a friendly get-together back in Jakarta, the two had attended Billy Blue College of Design together in Sydney. I feel like that's a great college name. I just had to put that in there. Oh, no, it's great. It's a great band name. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica spent the afternoon shopping with Van before ordering and spiking her Vietnamese iced coffee, which is a very sweet drink for anyone who hasn't tried it. Yeah, I made a Vietnamese a hot one, but yes, it's very sweet. It's good. It's very creamy. It's delicious. Yeah, it's very creamy, very sweet. There's lots that's in there, so it would be really easy to mask poison and in a coffee like that. Sure. That said, after only a few sips, Jessica complained that the coffee was terrible and moments later started convulsing and lost consciousness. Man, imagine being that barista. I mean, she did it in a mall, a shopping mall, and one of the most popular cafes in a shopping mall, and was caught on camera. So this is really not well thought out. And at the end of a very public, very long trial, it took five months, Jessica was sentenced to 20 years in prison for the coffee murder. Coffee kills. Coffee kills. Why you'd kill in a public place? Well, yeah, I mean... With a drink on camera, don't know, but... When you're planning a murder, you would think after all of the NCIS and SVU and ABCD that you would know not to do anything where you could be caught on film, but that's another story. Yeah, people don't get it. Mm. I mean, I think you'd also come up and be like, well, I got you a new drink that they're trying out. This is a special drink. You know, like not a drink that someone drinks every day. Just say, okay, let's go sit over here in this nice courtyard away from the cameras before you spike it. Well, she tried to mask coffee from the camera by using her shopping bag. So the two had spent the afternoon shopping, and she kind of placed the shopping bag strategically in front of the coffee, but they could see her arms moving, even though they couldn't see exactly what she was doing to the coffee. Okay, nice try. You said her name was Jessica? Yep. Yeah, nice try, Jessica. Nice try. So Jessica's still in jail? Still in jail. Yeah, it was only 2016, so she was sentenced 20 years. She'll be in there for a while longer. 
I'm glad because I feel like if somebody wanted to off me, coffee would be a way to do it because I rarely ever say no to a coffee. I think at the end of this, you will have the same feeling I had for researching all these that you should never let anyone else get your coffee. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> so always, always get your own coffee. <laughs> so sticking with our jealousy theme, the next case I'm going to share involves a 46-year-old Michigan man named Brian Kozlowski and his soon-to-be ex-wife, Teresa. I'm with you. This is pretty evil. So according to court documents, Brian tried to kill Teresa by poisoning her coffee with sleeping pills. Wow. So she did this over a series of weeks, and at some point, Teresa sent said something was amiss and used discreet, well-placed cameras to catch Brian in the act. Again, the, you know, the nanny cam pays off. It does. It really does. And if you felt funny after your soon-to-be ex-husband brought you coffee every morning or you drink coffee every morning, she got it because she put the cameras into the kitchen. But I'd feel like I'd be like, no, I'm going to go get my coffee out. I'm feeling funny. I'm not going to touch anything in this kitchen for a while. I feel like I might take that obligatory sip in front of him and then run to the bathroom and spit it out when he's not seeing if I wanted to catch him and, you know, send him to jail. But you could just take the coffee to go get tested. Sure. But I guess if she's got the camera going, you know, it's evidence-based. It is evidence-based, but so so with the testing. Right. The camera, it shows him doing it. He put eight, like, I've never had a sleeping pill, so I would think that it, but I would think that if I dropped any pill into my coffee, like I tried dropping a vitamin C pill in to see what it did, and it gets white little particles. It doesn't fully dissolve right away. Yeah, if she's using, or he, it was him doing the poisoning, right? Yes. So if he's using like a mortar and pestle and putting it into a fine powder first, and then putting it in the coffee, depending on whether there's cream or whatnot in the coffee, it could dissolve along the lines of sugar, as long as it wasn't a huge pill. That's my feeling on it. She said it, that he put it right into the coffee pot. So I would, like, if I looked at a coffee pot and there was something, even if it had a funny foam on it, I feel like I'd notice. Mm. Unless it was a thermal pot and I couldn't see it. They didn't say what kind of pot it was. I'm assuming it's a glass pot, but maybe it wasn't a glass pot. All right. Which is why this didn't happen. Yeah, we're projecting, so, so let me know what happens. What happens? Well, so what happens is... Brian admitted to having poisoned the coffee for at least eight weeks and was sentenced to 60 weekend days in jail, which I didn't even know was possible. Wait. Just weekend days. Wait, what? Yeah, 60. It's attempted murder. Yeah, but it, they, they didn't go that far. She said it was attempted murder. He didn't. He confessed right away. I don't know. Maybe they had kids. Wow. I'm not really sure. But he was only sentenced to weekend days. I have heard of this. I hadn't heard of that. So that was interesting. The next case we're going to talk about, the 60 weekend day penalty would probably be the second worst thing that could happen to a boy. That's going to be at the heart of the next story I'm going to share. Okay, I'm ready. So in December 2020, I know I'm breezing through these. I I have to confess, in my mind, I'm saving the very best for last, but I don't know if you and our listeners will agree. Okay, so in December 2020, a 64-year-old grandfather in Berea, Ohio, called 911 and said, I don't know how to approach this, but I can tell you, frankly, that my grandson is trying to kill me and my fiancé. The grandfather went on to say that he had custody of a 14-year-old grandson and that over the past two weeks, he had thrown out at least two bottles of coffee creamer because they smelt or tasted off. The suspicious, the grandfather decided to check his grandson's computer and found numerous Google searches on how to kill your parents. Wow. When the police interviewed the... The boy, the grandson, quickly fessed up to the crime and admitting to adding lime juice, pepper juice, a cleaner, and wasp and hornet killer to the coffee creamer and attempts to kill his grandfather and his grandfather's fiance because they threatened to cancel Christmas if he didn't get his grades up, which he didn't. Uh, 
I mean, Christmas is important, but I need to ask some questions. But wait, well, my biggest thing is, why can you Google how to kill your parents? And then why is coffee coming up? Like, first question is, why can that, why do you get anything when you Google what, how to kill your parents? <laughs> I, I don't know. I asked Siri, how do you get into Mordor? I mean, I've asked Siri some weird questions. But, you know, remember Siri used to tell you where you could bury a body in New Jersey? I didn't know that. But why, why should, I mean, shouldn't there be some kind of, this is not an appropriate question for me to answer. You should have to figure it out yourself. I mean, maybe Google can't. <laughs> I, 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 we can't be Big Brother, but we could say, sorry, I can't help you with this one. You've got to do this one alone. Yeah, I guess because there are fiction, you could Google how to get away with murder, which was a TV show. Yes. So I guess the specific thing, how to murder your parents, maybe there was some fictional work. I'm thinking that filtering the questions like this would be pretty difficult. But I see your point completely. Yeah, I mean, I just couldn't believe that a kid could Google that. And then what seemed like a great option to him was coffee creamer. And given this kid didn't think through the whole scenario to the end, like no newspaper reported that Christmas in this household was not <laughs> celebrated. I, I'm going to guess it was canceled. But clearly, like this, this team couldn't think through the consequences of killing off the primary gift givers. Right, right. So I'm going to take the logical leap here that Using coffee creamer to kill your parents and coffee to kill your parents is pretty high on the list. I have to say that the biggest issue with this teen's actions to me was who's going to buy the gifts once the parents are dead. Yeah. So yeah, that's my biggest problem with this. Yeah, no, that was mine too. I mean, maybe he saw a film that showed kids in group homes getting donation gifts or maybe his grandparents <laughs> participated in those by, you know, you buy a gift for a child in need, but didn't think through the whole idea that there's only one gift. Yeah. Yeah, not not the grandparent-style gift. My question was, all those things that he put in the creamer, were these separate attempts? No, no, no. This is. I think this was just... Is it all at once? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was just kind of throwing them together. He never distinguished between what, you know, which creamer had pepper versus which one <laughs> had rat poison. But I'm going to guess that he knew pepper couldn't kill you. I, I think in very rare cases, it would have to be a lot of pepper for pepper to kill you. That's what I'm saying. And lime juice to kill you. So I'm going to guess that somewhere he read that pepper and lime juice can... Mask the flavor? Yeah. A rat and wasp poison. <laughs> so. Okay. Okay. So this was a teenager's performing poorly. And now we're going to go to seniors performing poorly, just so we can show the full span of, you know, coffee killings happen across the board. Young teens worried about Christmas, jealous girls, men going through a midlife crisis. And then now we're going to talk about a 70-year-old woman from Queens, New York. Hey, yo, that's where I'm from. Yep. <laughs> Anyone listening, maybe don't let Cindy get you coffee. <laughs> so earlier this year, 2021, in case any of you are listening to this later, Cynthia attempted to kill her longtime husband by peppering his coffee with pure boric acid, Whoa. which is what we used to kill roaches. And she poisoned this coffee multiple times during the month of January. It's like, I don't know if this was COVID madness. Maybe she just broke at the end of COVID. Maybe he asked her for one too many tea or, you know, just left his jacket lying around one too many times or listened to the steam. I don't know what happened. They didn't say what kind of made her snap, but... The working from home, you know, everybody in the same house, although they both retired, so that couldn't be it. Uh, well, you never know, but I mean, Queens, you can get out, you can be social. Wow. They never gave a motive. I'm partial just to, to leaning towards a little bit of COVID madness if they were trapped in the house because they were in the high-risk group by their age. So if they're both responsible and staying home... Usually homes in Queens aren't mass. Like the average home in Queen is not very large. So two adults that are used to being out all the time are suddenly stuck together. 
all day, every day. Uh, it could, sure. Year, that could get tense. Sure. Not a reason to kill. Well, yeah. Not a reason to kill. No, not a reason to kill. Everyone, don't listen to what Cindy just said that, well, yeah. Not a reason to kill. <laughs> Even if you're feeling it. Listen, no, I don't think it's a reason to kill. I'm not so thrilled that they're giving my hometown a bad name. But, yeah, it, you know, we're not in their marriage. We don't know what happened. We don't know. It's still not a reason to kill, but we don't know. No, but we do know that Sancho was caught on video surveillance. Again, video. So anyone who wants to poison with coffee, hide those videos. Caught on video surveillance placing a white powdery substance from a bottle with a red cap and a yellow label into her husband's coffee. That's according to ABC News. The victim's husband got sick but fully recovered from his poisoning and the aggressor, Sancha, was charged with domestic abuse. It's still not attempted murder. It's domestic abuse. The prosecutor decided to charge Sancho with domestic abuse. But maybe the husband was like, yeah, maybe I deserved, you know, I don't know. I didn't get hurt. I didn't die. I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah, okay. It didn't say how long they'd been married, but for all we know, they'd been married for 50 years. And he was like, eh, she does this once in a while. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Yeah. And so there you have it, the coffee murders. But I'm going to back up for a second. Okay. Well, I, I've covered more modern murders, right, in, in the past four. They're, they've all happened you know, from 1998 to 2021. These murders, people want to learn more about them. They can Google them and you'll have many, many entries that come up. But I haven't yet covered the very first recorded coffee murder in the U.S. Okay. That's what I'm going to talk about now. This is my favorite. I don't know why. I think it's because I don't get to say half the things I'm going to get to say right now <laughs> <laughs> on an everyday basis. So it was 1929 at a school hoedown in Tuttletown, California. Just using the word hoedown, we don't get I know, to say that I know, often. That's why I just, I think I say it a couple times just because I have no other reason to use it. Yeehaw. Go on. Go on. <laughs> okay. So... 1929 in Tuttletown, California, a feisty, angry Ava Rablin poisoned and killed her husband, World War I veteran Carol, after he refused to dance with her at the school hoedown. When a lady wants to dance, you're not supposed to say no. Well, but wait, no, I, I'm with Carol on this one. So Eva and Carol met two years earlier through a Lonely Hearts ad that Carol had placed in the San Francisco matrimonial newspaper. I also had to get it that it's not really relevant to the story, but I thought it was cute and I had to put it in there. No, I like it. Apparently they had, <laughs> they have a... Early Tinder. They had dating ads in the 1920s. I thought that was all made up, but apparently it's real. Yeah. Carol was deaf from battle injuries from World War One and too shy to meet women face to face, which is why he placed the ad in the paper. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Poor Carol. He didn't have to dance if he didn't want to. Well, maybe he didn't hear her ask. No, he knew she asked. He said, uh, no. I don't know. I still have mixed feelings about that. You know, it takes a lot for a woman to ask a guy to dance. I don't know if I'd resort to murder. No, it doesn't. You gotta let me finish. So, Eva was a divorced Texan with an 11 year old son and an ex husband that mysteriously disappeared. Oh. She was not shy. She was considered a gold digger by Carol's family, whom she, her sister, and now her son all lived with. She brought them to te from Texas to California with her. And above all, Eva loved to be social. She particularly loved to dance and found it unconscionable and vexing that Carol refused. He refused because he couldn't hear the music and didn't want to make a fool out of himself. So I got that. Irate at being left partnerless at the hoedown, Ava decided to get even with Carol. So shortly after midnight, Ava brought her beau, who was waiting patiently in the car. I just love this guy. I don't know why. I think, you know, the whole setup of every story written about them is made 
so that we're sympathetic to Carol, but I really am. So after midnight, Eva brought her beau, who was waited patiently in the family car. Well, wait a second, wait a second. I thought Eva was with Carol. Well, she was, but he was in the car. He's waiting in the car for her. He waits in the car for her the whole night. Okay. So shortly after midnight, Eva brought her beau, who was waiting patiently in the family car. While Eva was inside kicking up her heels, she brought him a coffee and a sandwich. After handing over the dinner, Eva, to quote the Daily News, sashayed inside to the strains of Turkey in the Straw, which filled the hall where Carol's father Steve and Uncle John were playing fiddle and guitar. So she's poisoning this guy right outside while his family's playing the music she's dancing to. Soon after sipping the coffee, Carol screamed and slumped over in agony and died shortly thereafter from cyanide poisoning in his coffee. It's horror at the hoedown. And that's the horror at the hoedown. That was the first recorded coffee murder. And you know what I find kind of interesting is none of these are really the same. Like people are using coffee as a murder tool in so many different, so many different ways. I think the only case that I didn't hear you talk about is I thought there was a case where somebody put antifreeze in someone's coffee. Oh yeah, they've done that too. People have done a lot of bad things with coffee. People have, you know, ejaculated into people's coffee, ah, ah, peed into people's coffee. Ah. But none of that kills. It can bring lawsuits, but it didn't quite fit into the theme of today's discussion. But if you Google illegal things people have done with coffee or gross things people have done with coffee, yeah, you're going to learn more than you ever wanted to. I mean, it's pretty horrific. Antifreeze, cyanide, boric acid. Absolutely more than I ever wanted to know. Nicole, that was absolutely fascinating. I found it really interesting. I definitely wanted to share more of these stories, but you know, basically the, the plot is very easy to figure out. Someone gets mad, poisons someone's coffee, someone dies or almost dies. My biggest takeaway from all of this was brew your own coffee, serve your own coffee, and then keep that coffee really, really close to you. Yeah, be careful of who's giving you a coffee. Yeah, especially if you've just upset someone. Okay, well, my scary stories today are more along the lines of summer camp tales and urban legends. Okay. So I don't know if anybody was actually killed, but we're not sure they weren't. Okay. So, Nicole. Yeah. Have you ever heard the legend of the Candyman? Oh, no. I've heard of the Candyman, but never the legend. I think this is scary. It is scary. Yeah. Oh, no. That's why I've never heard it. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to have to sleep with lights on later. Okay. So the story goes something like this. You gaze in the mirror and you repeat his name a number of times. And what this does is it summons this malevolent entity, deadly and not easy to get rid of. So this is a common trope that's used in horror stories and has been used in horror stories for centuries. And it might seem familiar. Some of you may know this type of story from The Candyman. I know this story. Right. Or from the 1980s classic Beetlejuice, which actually has a similar plot, but in a funny light. But the point of it is that the plot actually initiated from the legend of Bloody Mary, and that might be what you know. I do. I have a little funny anecdote after this where I can share it now. Okay. Uh, give me one second. Yep. We'll share it. I'll share it after. Okay. So Bloody Mary. But Bloody Mary in and of itself has been called by different names. Okay. For example, it's called the Bell Witch in Tennessee. Okay. And the Latin version is called La Lorana, which also was made into a movie. Okay. So the plot goes like this. A young woman repeats a phrase to her mirror. And that summons a ghost. The ghost inflicts unlimited violence and horror upon that girl. And the ghost's motivations 
are different depending on where you live and who is telling the story. Sometimes she was abused in life. Sometimes her child was murdered. But either way, you get the point. She is angry and she is out for blood. So over the years, variations and spin-offs of the original concept have filled summer camps, movie theaters, drive-ins worldwide. So you might be asking, how does this relate to coffee? Yes. Okay. So I was really surprised to find that the story has evolved to include a coffee version. Okay. So if you bear with me, I'm going to share with you two coffee horror stories. The first one following the Bloody Mary plot. And the second adapting itself to the classic horror-filled theme of the embattled, terrified babysitter. (laughs) Okay. I've been that person. I've been the terrified babysitter yet. You have been that person. And then at the end, I want you to share with me your Bloody Mary story. Okay. So I'm going to call the first story, Black Coffee, Black Coffee, Black Coffee, Don't Trust Your Siblings. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? Do you need a blankie? I don't need a blankie. I, I will make sure that I'm always facing my brother tomorrow when we're at work. Here we go. Two siblings, yep. a brother and a sister, who lived together, despised each other. Okay. So one morning, unbeknownst to the sister, the brother spiked her morning black coffee with poison. When she passed away from the poison, the brother buried the body five miles from the house. And when his parents asked where's his sister... The brother pretended he had no idea. He didn't know. (laughs) So shortly thereafter the incident, the boy started to hear a voice. It was his sister's, and she was eerily calling to him, Black coffee, black coffee, black coffee, five miles away. He climbed the stairs. The voice continued to whisper, Black coffee, black coffee, black coffee, four miles away. He entered the bedroom and heard, Black coffee, black coffee, Black coffee, three miles away. He hid under the covers, but the boys continued to torment him. Black coffee, black coffee, black coffee. I'm two miles away. I don't know how he did it, but he drifted into an uneasy sleep. And in his dreams he heard, black coffee, black coffee, black coffee, one mile away. He woke up screaming, only to hear his sister whispering, black coffee, black coffee, black coffee. I'm on your street. Gosh. He went down to breakfast and he heard it again. Black coffee, black coffee, black coffee, I'm in your house. He ran up the stairs to his room. Black coffee, black coffee, black coffee, I'm coming up the stairs. He bolted into the closet. Black coffee, black coffee, black coffee, I'm in your room. He slammed the door. Black coffee, black coffee, black coffee, I'm right behind you. He turned to face the ghost of his sister who stabbed him maniacally until his death. That is pretty terrifying. Well... As far as campfire stories go, you know, it's up there. Yeah, I mean, I could see some of the people poisoned by coffee coming back and doing this. Just lure them in, you know. This is the kind of, uh, you know, horror story where you're holding the flashlight underneath your mouth (laughs) after you've been sitting around the the campfire, you know, and you're passing these stories back and forth. This is the kind of story that you are holding the mirror and a flashlight and daring people to do it <laughs> after you read this story probably with a cup of coffee then mean is it poisoned is it not poisoned is it poisoned is it not poisoned <laughs> are you gonna drink it <laughs> i'm gonna leave you with my uh second favorite one because there are actually more where black coffee is used but these were the two that piqued my interest the most okay and i call this one black coffee be careful who you babysit for okay 
So a couple deserving a night off called a local girl to babysit for their newborn. The girl wished them well, telling them they had nothing to worry about. She turned into the house, checked on the baby, finding nothing amiss. She headed into the living room, baby monitor in hand, and settled herself in front of the TV. Suddenly she was startled by a loud bang, followed by the baby monitor switching off. The phone began to ring. Hurrying to the phone, she answered it. Hello? A crackling, raspy voice said, Black coffee, black coffee, I'm in the bedroom. She ran to the bedroom. The baby was in the middle of the crib, wrapped in a black shawl. She ripped the shawl off, grabbed the baby, ran down the stairs, and placed the baby on the counter while she splashed water on her face. The phone rang again. Black coffee, black coffee. I'm in the kitchen. I've got the baby. She ran to the kitchen. The baby was wearing a bright red wig. She ripped the wig off the baby. She pulled the phone from the wall. And clutching the child, she ran up to the attic to hide. Her cell phone rang. Black coffee. Black coffee. I'm in the attic. I've got the baby. The girl screamed at the top of her lungs and ran to the garden with the baby. Ring, ring. Black coffee. Black coffee. I'm in the garden. I've killed the baby. She ran screaming from the garden, only to find a tangled mass of flesh glistening under the street lamps. She began to hear cackling laughter coming from behind her. She slowly turned, only to see the laughing baby on a windowsill, wearing the shawl and the wig. (sighs) A sharp pain hit the babysitter in her back, and blood began to ooze through her shirt. The baby jumped on top of her and began tearing at her throat. All the babysitter could do was scream and scream and scream. Upon returning home, the parents found the baby slowly eating the babysitter. Ah! The dad turned pale. Turning to the mother, he said, Oh, no, not again. Oh, God. That's awful. Yeah. Well, you know, as far as campfire stories go, it's pretty good. That is truly like the devil's child. The devil's child. So those are my Halloween stories for you guys, and I hope you like them. And I hope you appreciate that black coffee can be found everywhere, even in diabolical campfire literature. Even in baby horror stories, which I wasn't (laughs) expecting. Not what I would have placed it. Mm. But I will tell you, I'll leave this with my Bloody Mary story, which I think most people know. Yeah, yeah, please. Bloody Mary was Mary Tudor. Catholic, well, should have been Catholic Queen of England, she was for a brief period of time, right? who wanted to kill all the Protestants. So I'm Protestant, and I went to a Catholic school. It's a long story, we're not going to go there, but for high school and middle school, I went to a Catholic school. I'm Protestant, and they used to say that if you say Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, three times in the girls' bathroom mirror, Mary would come out and kill all the Protestants. Yeah. So I was constantly being dared to say it, but I could only ever get to two and then hold it under my breath. But there was a good, I would say, like three years in high school where I just wouldn't look at the mirror. Yeah. I mean, this legend is everywhere. Even if no one was around, I was afraid. I'm like, oh man, is she going to come out? (laughs) I grin. I remember hearing the story when I was a kid at camp, but I remember the first time I saw Candyman and just like almost wanting to dare myself to say it three times in the mirror. But now I'm going to be afraid to say black coffee three times in the mirror. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything three times in the mirror. (laughs) In a row. I just, I I don't feel like I need to. I still remember those Bloody Mary days in high school where I was terrified that, you know, this apparition of a former queen 
It's going to come out and kill me. Yeah, but it's amazing. The same theme has been used in different countries, in different cultures, in different states. Different Catholic schools. Yeah, so it's amazing. Anyway, I really, really hope you guys have enjoyed our take on coffee and murder. Yes, and for those of you who haven't, you'll be very happy to know that this was the last week of the first segment (laughs) of this particular series of The Queen Bean. So thank you for joining us this far. Next week, we'll be moving on to the second part of the series, which is going to be what we call the holiday segment, where we'll cover everything from what not to buy your coffee lovers to how to spike your drinks so nobody will know when you need to, you're obliged to go to those (laughs) extended family and holiday parties. Yes, but not over spiking because nobody should die. (laughs) No, No, again, nobody should know. Nobody should die. This is purely for your enjoyment and sanity. Yes. It's all going to be happy stuff we talk about the next few weeks, mostly, or how to make yourself happy in those situations, how to give yourself the best shot of getting through in good humor. This episode should give you some good fodder for your Halloween parties. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you can have little fake jars out there, like labeled cyanide, salt, and sugar, and let people just kind of guess which one. Of course, we recommend you fill them all with sugar. But, you know, you could fill the cyanide (laughs) with extra fine sugar just to really give people that kind of, hmm. Or something like baking soda that'll throw them off, but nothing poisonous. Yes, Uh, nothing poisonous. Nothing poisonous. (laughs) Again, links to everything we've discussed in today's episode are available on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and on our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. If you like this podcast, please let us know by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any feedback or topics you'd like discussed, we would love to hear about them. We're always looking for new topics. Please email us at info at thequeenbean.com. Finally, to hear more about our coffees, please visit our website, thequeenbean.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you. See you next time, guys. <laughs>